0: Created live on Fireside. All right. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is noon on Wednesday, and uh, it is Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. Thank you for being here. Uh, for students who are seeking to find experience in internships as well as permanent jobs, campus career services more than is more than a resume critique office. These offices prepare students to realize their potential in the job market. The pandemic has forced colleges and universities to redirect, pivot, and problem solve. So today we're going to be talking about did the world and the the virtual world open doors and opportunities for students or did this virtual reality create obstacles that may limit student hiring potential. Uh, we have with us Mr. Andy Chow. He, has, he goes by he, him pronouns. He is an experienced musician, live performance producer, higher education professional, and educator. As director of career engagement at Berklee College of Music, he leads the Strategic Student Outreach Career Engagement Plan. That sounds awful fancy. And marketing and communications for the Career Center. He was formerly the director of career services and student programs at boston conservatory where he developed a comprehensive career services model for the conservatory implementing and producing a diverse portfolio of programs that included the entrepreneurial grant program the professional development initiative and the first and now annual senior dance showcase in new york city He continues to serve as the executive producer for both the musical theater and dance showcases for graduating seniors at Boston Conservatory at Berkeley. Prior to working in higher education, he was a full-time music educator and has taught in the Fall River Public School Districts in Massachusetts, Boston Public Schools, and the Rivers Commute School Conservatory. He currently serves on the board of directors and performs with the Boston Gay Men's Chorus and has toured in South Africa and the Middle East, performing in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, Israel, Istanbul, Turk, and uh, has a doc. And he's a Doctor of Education candidate at Northeastern University and holds a music. I'm sorry, a Master of Music Education degree from Boston Conservatory and a Bachelor of Music degree from the University of Massachusetts at Lowell. Welcome, Andy. You could take yourself off mute. And I'm going to take a sip of water after all of that. So
1: welcome to (laughs) Welcome to Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. Hello. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me
0: well thank you for being here um and so for those of you who are new to the show and those of you who are listening online something you can do is if you are here in the audience you can uh share uh this show by going to the hamburger in the bottom left hand corner of your screen clicking on that and you will see a broadcast to the world Click on that and you can then share it to your LinkedIn, you can share it to your Twitter, you can share it to wherever you have a social media presence. We'd love for you to do that. That encourages people to join us live in the studio. Um, If you are live, welcome. If at some point today you want to ask a question, uh, you can do so either through the chat function or you can request to come on up on stage. So uh, Andy, uh, welcome to Office Hours. I like to give a guest an opportunity to give me uh, and the audience an idea of what brought them to the work they're currently doing. You uh, have an extensive background in music performance as well as uh, music education. Um, and now you're in a, an administrative job. So talk to me about uh, that uh, journey what you're doing, and why do you think the work in career services specifically is contributing to the academy, both at your institution at Berkeley as well broadly?
1: Sure. Thank you. So um, yeah, uh, you are right. I am, you know, a classically trained musician. And I think back to when I was 18 years old and going to college. And my dream was to be one of those full-time music educators, uh, conducting bands, marching bands for the rest of my life until I retired and what I found was, you know, a lot of the career development that I did, especially during um, college was on my own. I I didn't really seek uh, the need for going to career services at the time because it wasn't really catered to my interests, especially in music, Um, it was very different. A lot of career centers have now opened up and have, you know, um, broader, broader services. But, you know, I think when I wanted to be a teacher first, I, I, I kept thinking to myself, you know, I wanna help the next round of music educators, musicians, performers. Um, and I had the opportunity to come back to my alma mater for, where I got my masters at the Boston Conservatory, to really um, pilot and create um, a career services office and department and and help the next generation of artists and uh, educators and producers and what have you, as far as where, where they're going. and harbor their skills, not only in performing on Broadway stages or major orchestras, uh, symphony halls, but more, what are the skills that you hone in as a creative, as a musician, um, that is transferable to a lot of different in- industries? And, and you know, I, I always say that I was um, kind of the, I don't want to say patient zero, it's, not pay, it's maybe alumni <laughs> or professional zero, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I I never thought of what the, the skills I had when I was developing as an undergrad student from 18 to 21 years old. I was just like, yeah, I'm good at this, or I like to learn about this. And, and I, I, I only had one clear vision of what I could do with a Bachelor of Music degree in music education. Mm-hmm. I, I said, I can only be a teacher. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until um, my my graduate program where I realized, like, I could do anything I wanted if I just Mm -hmm. got the right development and I had the right advisement and, uh, um, and honed in on what my skills are um, that could transfer to anything in the a different industry. So, you know, um, when I, when I, got to the conservatory I had to start from scratch and I just kept mm. thinking what was I missing what did I need what what is happening in the industry what are the trends and, and and a lot of that is employer engagement and finding out what are those trends and then also serving and reaching out to the students to see what their needs are but half of them again same place as me when I was 18 19 20 21 had no idea uh, they just mm-hmm. had that clear vision I want to be on Broadway I want to you know, perform, that's, that's all I want to do. So I had to really come up with, you know, uh, new ways to engage them and, um, and hone in on new skills and have them think entrepreneurially, you know, uh, mm-hmm. make them think this is the business of me. It's not just mm-hmm. the theater business or music business or dance business. It's, it's my business. So what's my brand? So um, with that, we merged with Berkeley College of Music uh, now five years ago. And it's, it's only gotten bigger. I think um, Mm -hmm. my role has grown and, and um, my contribution to what we are doing now in career services is, is I think um, really important, um, especially post pandemic, where the industry shut down literally. Right. right? like, like most other industries, you can't, you know um, I remember when Broadway shut down and it was just like, all those people have no Mm. work. And now it's like, now they have to think backwards. What can I do? right? right so right. so my goal is to intentionally, organically have our students make sure that when they leave Berkeley and Boston Conservatory, they're like, I can do this. I'm going to perform, but I can also do this and not a plan A or plan B. It's just a plan and, and having right. them go out there and, and do that. So yeah, it's a long-winded answer, but I, I definitely come from a... If I look back over 10 years ago, I never thought I would be sitting here talking to you about this. Let's just say that. (laughs) Right.
0: Well, but I think that you bring up some really good points, and I think they're transferable. Speaking of being transferable, that I want listeners to think beyond this, well, Andy works at a performing arts uh, school. I work at a business school. I work at a liberal arts campus. I think one, one of the things you brought up is this idea of, of employee engagement. And so when you're talking about employee engagement, what is it that you're trying to uh, kind of uh, frame for the for the student? OK, um, that could be something that anyone at any institution could be thinking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when um, we actually talk about this a lot and, and um, we we not only talk to the industry and the employers about what our student is as far as a whole package but we also talk to the students about it very early Mm -hmm. so that they know when they're advocating for themselves and interviewing and talking to folks that they have these um we have four pillars that we actually talk about i'm glad you asked this question so um hopefully i can remember all of them but as 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 you can um and all this is transferable to whatever kind of college you're working for but when when we when we base it on musicians and artists we think all right what do they have already that we can translate for them and say you can, that means you can do this as well so one of them is stage presence right we go this is a performing arts school number one and when they get up on stage nothing in the world matters except for their craft that they're putting out there yeah. what does that translate to what are those what are those skills then well if they have great stage presence and they can hone in on that then that means they can present right they can have public they can speak publicly now obviously Mm -hmm. with coaching and advising that can help build that in a different way because you are transferring it from an original skill that maybe they they've been you know already trained in prior to coming Mm -hmm. to berkeley Mm -hmm. but stage presence is is one improvisation how many times have higher ed folks had to improvise on the spot right i think back to the days when i worked in orientation and something went wrong and you have to just improvise there's no microphone Mm -hmm. what do you do find a megaphone or something right, right right so so improvisation our our students are improvising musically all the time um dancing on stage uh, if they're acting if they forget a line so with that they're improvising and being creative on the spot and that's what i think that improvisation and creativity bringing that to the tech industry and we've had alumni do that um being able to think on the spot like if this doesn't work so they're critically thinking what else could work Right, right right um so that that's also something right um entrepreneurship which i've already based uh, talked about obviously with our industry it's it's there's no clear path there's no mm-hmm. like you do four years an internship and you get a job it's not like med school it's not like law school it's you got to figure it out and you gotta you're hustling your yes exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly but yeah. all these things lead to opportunities which is also really great right right so right. um And then the last thing, collaboration. I think that's, this is probably one that uh, is probably the most broad. Collaboration is something that we all do in whatever Mm -hmm. job we do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And our students are working in ensembles, creating music, creating art, creating shows with a lot of different people and being able to manage that and and also time management, right? Mm -hmm. You know, manage Mm -hmm. all these different things. Our students are also, and most students in college, are doing their, Courses, but then they're also leading a student club. They're also part of student government. They're in sports. They're in uh, ensembles. They're, they're they're working working a, working <laughs> yeah. a part time job, yeah. student employment job, internship. So so that collaboration and time management. It's also something that I think would be very transferable to any any college career center.
0: And I'm, and and so I'm glad you brought all that up. And I I think that what uh, is a misnomer out there. And I tried to convey that in the intro to the show and the promo to the show is that. For, for some people, um, especially people of a certain age, and I think that uh, those people of a certain age tend to be parents uh, who are sending their kids to school and they say, you need to go to the career center to get a job. And that's not what the career centers are. And, and it's interesting, um, several years ago, I was at a conference uh, and it was for executive leaders in higher ed. And I was speaking to a woman who was one of the big search firm uh, people. Okay, and I always like to talk to her because I like to say, what's what are the big searches happening right now? What are the trends out there? What kind of jobs are people looking for? And she said, we're I can't hire enough people to run financial aid offices and I can't hire enough people to run career services offices. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. What's the difference? Like, what are you seeing? That's a difference between these two types of searches. And she said, well, in financial aid, People who go to become directors of financial aid started as work study students in financial aid. Like they literally started there and they were like, oh, I kind of like this. And they got of move their way up, and eventually they end up in a situation where they're there. People who are in career services, one of the biggest problems that she was finding was that she would talk to the president of the university or the college, or they would talk to the vice president or the provost, whoever's a looking, whoever is the the overseer of that area. And she goes, everyone I talk to knows that they don't like the condition that their career services office is in, but they don't know what they want it to be. What are your thoughts on that, that kind of like, I, I we don't like it, but I don't know what I want it to be. As a career yeah. person, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, um, I, I will be honest to say that, that that was us five years ago. You know um, we, when, when we merged with uh, the conservatory, we really had to revamp everything that we did. and and, um, and that, I think that is hard. I, I think one, one thing that career centers, I think have evolved from, um, is that when you mentioned, I think you said it, um, early on, it's like this, it's not just a resume critique office anymore. It's, it's the, de- it's a, a developmental, um, tool for, for students from the beginning to the end. And, um, I think the reason, this is just my opinion. I think mm. the, a reason, why why pres- <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the, uh, the reason why, uh, senior leadership and presidents if it's not in the mission of the Mm. institution that every student graduates with a sustainable and personally successful career path Mm. then then there's there's no way that there's institutional um support to to develop that and now will i say that five years ago we had you know that all set up and it was good? No, absolutely not. I think what uh, my management team are saying now is like, we are finally here. We are fi- yeah. we have the right team. We have the right uh, strategy. We have finally grown to this, to this, um, workflow that works mm-hmm. for students. And mm-hmm. then also the students have changed post yeah. pandemic. I mean, yep. they're, they're so different now, Never mind, they're Gen Zers to begin with. That was also yeah. a learning curve for a lot of us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so, so for me, I think it's, it, they don't know that that executive leadership doesn't know what a career center should be if it's because they might not have that as part of their mission and vision for the institution as a whole and have the influence of the whole institution and support to say that this is what we need. Um, mm-hmm. And I also think to executive leadership, they come from very certain industries, right? When you become right. a president. Um, Either you're a business person, or maybe you were on a board, or maybe you were, um, uh, you know. Or a provost, like you worked your way up as a faculty member, right, right, right. Exactly. So. So that's just my personal opinion, though. Yeah,
0: that's all right. That's why we have these conversations. That's the whole point. So uh, you know, I think that it's in, it's insightful. And one of the things I want to draw your attention uh, to the to the listeners to is your point about it took five years to get here. And you know, I always say to folks uh, when I worked, you know, with my division of student affairs or within a university or college setting. Um, or now with my clients, I say, it's going to take an institutional generation. And what I mean by that is it takes four years solid to get something done. And that is in a normal state of affairs. You are in a situation where you had a pandemic in the middle of that. And so you had to make some changes. So I want to talk about some of the innovative things that you are doing there, Andy. Um, And part of the reason I asked you to be here is that you really are taking hold of this innovation. You are actually practicing what you're telling your students to do, which is be entrepreneurial, which is to try new things. Tell us about the, uh, the some of the programs you're currently doing. I know you just started one um, specifically around dance, um, that uh, is going to be a little bit different than the dance uh, program that you're currently doing. Um, but then I'd also like you to tell us about the internship support that, you're, that you have been uh, doing over time. So tell us a little sure. about those programs.
1: Sure, sure. And to give you a little, everyone, uh, the listeners a context, you know, I always say when, when anyone interviews with us to join our team or when we talk about our team, I always say, I feel like we work in a startup because we are going, going and thinking, how can we expand? What is our data? And how can we um, provide the best services to our students at, at, all the time? We are always thinking that students come first, no matter what, um, right. even if we've had an old process, but um, as far as um, what we do, you know, as far as how we're innovating, I, I think uh, some of the programs, let me see without giving a lot of content, because I have to give some context for things, but you know, one of our major focuses, and I know this is really, and and if there's career services professionals, listening to this. Um, This is probably the hardest thing for a lot of colleges, but one thing that we really hone in on is collaborating with faculty and department chairs. And and we do that because not only are they industry experts in some sense, because they have mastered that um, area, but also they have the connections and Mm -hmm. the faculty and the chairs also are the ones that the students trust. They see them day in and day out. So Mm -hmm. when we do programs, as far as guest artists, visiting artists, panel discussions, um, uh, even employer um, info sessions and recruitment um, events, we collaborate with faculty in every instance, um, and again, I'm sure if career services professionals are listening to this, they're like, "Oh, there's that—that's no, there's no way that my dean or their dean would ever let that happen." But it's—it's mm-hmm. it's almost like that network you need to con- to really convey that this is important for the institution. So we do do that. So. As far as programs though, we do a lot of professional development as far as bringing the industry in, um, both virtually and in person. We are starting slowly to do that. We do a lot of workshops that are um, innovating students and getting them insights into what's happening. Um, We do boot camps. We do um, a one day big uh, career conference for all students. Mm. Every April, we call it career jam, you know, Uh, (laughs) obviously you have to make it music related. Um, And that's where we bring the best of the best industry professionals on campus, where they get to um, talk to students about what's going on, the state mm. of the industry. How do you do this? How do you step foot in this, these different industries? We have a keynote. It's typically an artist that has not necessarily just been successful, but also um, have a personal mission to change the world, change it with their art, and, and also have gone through struggles as a musician because we don't mm-hmm. want that perfect musician here, right? Right, right. Um, but uh, with that too, we the career center here also provides us uh, a robust student employment program, which we use as career development. Now, I'm I'm sure a lot of offices don't have student employment have in the career center. Some may do that, but I, I see a lot of it in student financial services more that more so than the student affairs mm-hmm. um, career development side. Yeah. And but we use that to our advantage. We during our merger stage, we decided to. Um, put the student employment office here, because that is your first step to having um, uh, an experience to build your resume and gain mm-hmm. skills. So right. we use that as part of our student life cycle to say, this is where you can start getting experience, right? We have those high school students that say, all I've done is National Art Society or this or that, how am I supposed to get an internship, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so we do use that. Um, and then our internship program, that you asked about, we have uh, also probably one of the only, not one of the only, I I think there's very few career centers that administers the academic credit for uh, internships. And we have full control of that, which is wonderful. So we do Mm -hmm. have two, we have a one credit and two credit internship course that is administered through us. And students can um, not only get support in applying for internships, because we make employer connections that we can also Mm -hmm. recommend to students, um, but we also have, give them that um, advisory support when they're in their internship and manage them right. through a cor- coursework, um, through discussion, through reflection, through meetings, um, so that they feel supported. And we also check in with the, the you know, um, the, that it all lines so that, right. that we see the whole picture of a student from, um, from both views.
0: I think something that you brought up that, that requires some, some thought here is that one of the things that you were able to do, and this is a five-year program that you've actually been able to implement, is that your career center, and make sure I'm not overstepping my understanding here, is that you not only have your traditional career piece, but you also handle student employment. You also handle uh, the internship and the internship credit that goes along with that. And that that you you have now created uh, something that is truly unique because there's not a lot of institutions that want to give up one of those or both of those and put them into another into an office that typically wouldn't have that. But I think one of the things that's important here, from a from a think differently, and I think what we need to start doing as a, a, the academy, as as a student services, student affairs, and higher ed in, in general, is we have to start to think differently because what's happening here is that by you doing this, is that you actually build a relationship with the student. The student, you your staff, the people who work in your department can say. Laura DeBow was working as a front desk attendant in the careers in the in the campus center since day one. She can talk a dog off a meat truck. She knows how to have a conversation with people. She knows how this and now she thinks she can't do an internship. We need to make sure that she understands that she has this. And so you've actually been able to. See them in their uh, in an environment as they transition up through their their uh, growth at the institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to really key in and, and kudos to you for saying no. Nope, we're going to hang on to this internship piece not only as a gateway to say go get an internship, but it is a way for us to say no. This is actually what meets our criteria for credit. This is, in and I would have to imagine it actually protects the student in some way because there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad internships out there. And uh, there's a lot of bad actors out there who say, you know what we got to do? We just got to find a couple interns. Well, A, you're not paying them. And B, you're probably having them doing stuff that's frankly illegal. Um, and so uh, the, I uh, kudos to you for doing that. Um, and And that takes a cultural shift that takes some assumptions mm-hmm. from the institution about what, you know, what are we doing here and who's performing what function. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that there was some uh, hand wringing and hair pulling uh, throughout all of this, but it, it makes sense in terms of going back to what you said early in the show, which was, we're finally where we want to be. It's taken us five years, but we're finally, you know, cooking with gas. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Um, So let's talk about the pandemic, uh, because the pandemic is still happening. And as I say, literally on every show, the pandemic isn't over just because you're over it. Um, And uh, so the pandemic's created new ways of doing work, whether it be on Zoom, whether it be in this hybrid situation, uh, whether it be behind a plexiglass wall, Um, we are doing all kinds of new work. Um, It's also peeled back a lot of realities about inequities and how we approach work and education, Um, what have you learned about how services are delivered to your students during this time? And then I want to, uh, kind of get to the performance aspect of, of the Berkeley student, but, but talk to us about the, the inequities and, and what you kind of saw as you went your way through.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, as uh, most institutions, uh, we, you know, it was abrupt, obviously when we closed back in March, 2020 and students were in internships Mm -hmm. already. right? Right. Um, and, and to go into the inequities, I mean, um, one, just having the right technology to do some of these internships, as, particularly in, in our industry, right? As far as the performing arts and uh, techno- technological spaces, you couldn't do a studio intern remotely unless you had all the equipment. And that is money. Mm-hmm. And that is, those are things that students just don't have. And and they're not provided by the employer or by us. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, the needs to do to facilitate the internship, of course, the technology, not only hardware, but software. I mean, right. you know, it, it, and that's the thing too, when you have a temporary intern for one semester, that's not something that most companies will invest for you to personally have on your computer for the rest of your life right. um, for free. Um, uh, I also think like during the pandemic, I mean, inequity, I don't know if this is inequity or just a, a, an issue. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was, people couldn't stay in the U S international students had to move home and mm. they were Good doing one. their internships overnight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, during yeah. the, the night hours of their, mm-hmm. their home, hometowns and yeah. where we were re- running a nine to five business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you know, what we learned, uh, I will say is like, thank, well, thankfully the career center operationally, we are a startup and we were, mm-hmm. we adjusted quickly, right? We yeah. were on Slack, before anyone else at this institution was internally and so but as far as companies and the music industry which already moves really slow Mm -hmm. it was a learning curve for them and a lot of them canceled their internships in the very beginning and they they couldn't get their act together in order to get the um remote stuff working but you know i think um as far as equity a lot it's not consistent i mean um some remote interns worked had to be on a certain time period. Some of them just did projects, some of them, you know, um were able to meet with their supervisor once a week, some of them met, met with them every day just to do a mm-hmm. check-in. So mm-hmm. I, I'd say those were the main things as far as inequities.
0: And so when it's because your students and your campus are you know everything there is so performance driven, what what have you learned about opportunities that you hope continue beyond the pandemic? So what are maybe some things that eventually when people got their shit together and were able to say, okay, let's, we're gonna change this. Are there some things that you're hoping continue or uh, are there some things that that you're like, I really hope this doesn't stay?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, as far as performance wise, what we're seeing now, you know, as here's a good example, Broadway Hmm. closed down. um, But then once we started opening again, as far as casting goes, Right. Um, we are still in a pandemic. So mm-hmm. a lot of it is self taping and, and submissions. And whereas before you would just go sit in line and wait all day and, and be seen by the, the folks. But now it's there's like this extra layer of mm-hmm. uh, submission process. However, there are some benefits to that. Um, one, they get to see more people in one day or because they get to look at it a longer period of time. Two, um it's open more open and 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 you know they don't cut you off as far as like all right we have the we have enough people for the rest of the day everyone else go home mm-hmm. um and um but there's inequities to that too I mean right. as a as a thriving artist you don't have the money to get the, the best camera or mm-hmm. the newest iPhone, or a ring light. I'm using a ring light right now, right? Like, right? Right, right. So so thinking about that, there are inequities to that. And I see that there are some folks that just don't audition because they don't have the technology to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I, do, I, I do think, you know, I actually had a workshop in New York City the other day, uh, last week with alumni, and we talked about this. And, and I think they're here to stay. And I mm-hmm. think it's okay. I But yeah. I, I think it has to be hybrid. It has to be a mixture. It has to be mm-hmm. not just, you know, if you're going to do self-tape, how much are you asking for, as far as materials to do that? Um, right. Same thing for, for same thing for musicians, same thing for dancers. Like they're all doing it this way mm-hmm. because you also don't want to bring in someone from another state or country to come audition without having your PCR test, having <laughs> a vaccine. Right, like, right, like, like, right. There's just so much logistics there that that
0: nothing's fast anymore like everything we do whether it be within you know like I go and I speak on college campuses and I have to show a PCR test I have to do all these things and it's built into my my process now because you know we have to we have to do that Um, but it's also I think it also helps our muscle memory of just not assuming you can just walk in so that might actually help us in the long run even though um, it's a pain in the neck, um, you kind of go, okay, I can't just show up. Like, I, I mean, we've seen it with, you know, you you had Starbucks this morning, a hot mm-hmm. coffee. I can tell you my Starbucks here does not have mobile ordering anymore because of whatever reason. And so it's like, okay, do I want a Starbucks or I want to make a coffee at home? Like, like you know, you literally have to start to think. And I think it, it helps our muscle memory as we're trying to kind of, uh, you know, lube up whatever's happening up here, you know? Yeah. Um, it, you know, I, I want to dip into something in that we know and we hear about it all over. It, it's literally on the news every day about there's a worker shortage. Um, and when I supervised career services uh, as a vice president, one of the things that that my directors at the time Used to say, look, I, I understand that students need to find work. I think it's good for people to find work, but they settle into jobs that are might be, say, retail jobs or uh, hospitality jobs, and they're not able to then focus on their craft. They're not able to focus on the job market. Are you finding that your students, um, and this might even be some alums more more than students, are getting pulled into this? They're they're. They're literally hiring people everywhere. Are they finding joyful and purposeful employment, or are they feeling this push-pull? I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that.
1: Um, It's definitely um, mixed. Uh, I'll start there. Um, Mm. You know, um, I do think that we... The hustle. The part of the hustle is working these um, other kind of ty- types of jobs in order to continue to craft, right? To continue to audition, to continue to do what you want to do. Um, what we what we strive to do with our students is talk about. Okay, you do need some kind of part time work. Well, what kind mm-hmm. of part time work? What what is again going back to the transferable sense, right? Um, what is transferable to if you want to be an agent one day mm-hmm. for a major? uh, for, for, um, a creative artist agency, for example, right. Um, what are the skills that you need to do that? Well, customer service, being able to speak, being able to be quick, being able to work on a team. Right. So, so we talk about it. Like, yes, there are some, you know, part-time jobs that, uh, maybe are not music related, but what Mm -hmm. is, what are the Mm -hmm. skills you're gaining as being a Starbucks barista? I was a Starbucks barista. I actually, you know, there were days I hated it, but most of the time I did love it. And it taught Mm -hmm. me a lot. You know, it did mm-hmm. teach me a lot. They are definitely more of a retail rather than a fast uh, a fast food service. Mm-hmm. However, you know, you think about what are the skills there? I, you know, how I talked to people, how I managed people, how I was able to multitask, how I was able to manage the time there. Um, and I'll never forget when we had Creative Artists Agency here um, doing an info session years ago, this was obviously pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. they said, if, On your resume, if you said that you work in a coffee shop and you explain what you did, we actually look at that as a great thing for an intern because you're able to work with other people. Like, Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. always have that kind of like, well, yeah, if you want to do these other jobs, yes, it's not your main focus, but it is also, again, transferable. How can you transfer that, right? Right, Um, right. But I also uh, will say that... there are some benefits to, you know, maybe doing some side jobs just to get the, the bills paid, but then being able to do your own thing and produce your own work and produce, build your own company, do freelance. So some people do like doing that. Some of our alum like to have that balance. Some people work in nine to five and something that's not relevant whatsoever, but are able to then do something else that is part of their craft and be able to go do those things and perform and, and create. Um, mm-hmm. So th- mm-hmm. it is a mix there for sure.
0: I, that's great, great response. I appreciate that. It's really thoughtful. And that I think one of the things that we have to stop doing is think that oh, there's only one right path. And so one of the reasons I was intrigued to have you on, Andy, is that... Um, Students, especially uh, people who go into the arts, uh, there is no one path. There is so many things and they have to be nimble. Um, and this was even before the pandemic, which I think is helpful. Um, uh, after, uh, I wanna just call people's attention. We're here with Andy Chow. This is Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. Um, this is our weekly opportunity to talk about higher education, U.S. higher education. Someday I'm gonna talk about Canada um, and, we, <laughs> and other places. Um, but we're talking about U.S. higher education each week right here on Fireside. Uh, typically our show is on uh, at noon on Wednesdays um, and uh, really want this to be a place a community where people can come together, listen from great uh, practitioners, great scholars, um, and get some of your questions answered. Um, and this is a place where you can even get, like, you know, a five second uh, consult. So be sure that if you want to ask a question, please do so. You know, uh, you can always request to come up on stage by hitting uh, the pro- request button um, at the bottom of your screen. Um, next week uh, is uh, the 3rd of uh, November, and we will have our. Um, our think tank, Uh, come back for our second think tank show. We are specifically going to be talking about enrollment. Um, New information has come out uh, from uh, all the reporting areas that uh, enrollment is actually down nationally uh, at four-year colleges. So we're going to talk about enrollment. And we're also going to talk about the trend of uh, well-positioned institutions to start getting rid of student loans as part of their package um, and start to help students in that regard. And what do we think that means for the future of higher education? Uh, we are going to have our great panel here. So please be with us next week on that following week. We will have uh, a, a couple of folks uh, who are going to be talking about the recommendations about uh, how to deal with long COVID and how long COVID is becoming an area for our uh, a, uh for our folks in their disability services offices and how uh, long COVID is now going to be part of something they're going to have to be dealing with for quite some time. Uh, And so uh, we'll have some experts on there from the health as well as disability areas. Um, And then uh, in the weeks to come, we also have coming up uh, on the week of Thanksgiving, which I think is timely, a show about food insecurity on campus with uh, two fantastic uh, folks who are experts on food insecurity. So uh, please uh, be sure to not only uh, tune in to shows but it's always great if you can uh, follow me here on Fireside and RSVP as shows come up uh, because it will go right into your calendar and remind you to tune in when the show starts. So there you go. All right, so uh, Andy, I want to flip a little bit to uh, the industry of career services. And uh, some of the things that are happening right now uh, is that you know career services as a as a field, and you are well positioned. You look at what other institutions are doing. You look at your own institution. Um, Are there solutions that you've been looking for in career services that you just think that the industry is just lagging behind? I mean, this is really the, the world according to Andy, but, you know, where are we missing? I think that there's a lot of, you know, I call it drag out the dinosaur. It's, you know, we're gonna have a career fair. We're gonna have this, we're gonna do this. But but where is the is the uh, industry of career services kind of lagging behind? And and with that, I know there's there's uh, a technology that's there to help career services. So there's companies like Handshake and, and others. Do you think that the companies are driving the field enough too much and that the field isn't doing enough to drive itself or you know what are your thoughts on that in terms of like the the future of career services and what should we be looking at
1: loaded question but yeah I have <laughs> three things there um you know i i think there there are definitely um uh, From my research and what we know, you know, obviously we benchmark a lot of institutions and, and a lot of career centers, um, will do what they can as far as what the platform is giving them right. Handshake or simplicity. Um, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, um, but with that said, I think the number one thing that we struggle with as most, I think most career centers do are is data, you Mm -hmm. know, data is really hard to, uh, look at the whole picture of one student figuring out from day one to graduation to um, alumni to five years 10 years out we are not able to tell the story of ex-student Laura DeVoe right Mm -hmm. Um, in in a concise and easy way without doing some digging collaborating with alumni affairs collaborating with academic affairs to figure out what what is happening with the student Um, and and that I I don't want to blame the platforms but it's just not easy it's just not easy to tell and also you know working at a college, you know, this, it's like, well, you know, we use banner or colleague for this. We use uh, simplicity for career services. We use um, Workday for this, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's, there's mm-hmm. no one perfect, we use Salesforce for, Salesforce for admissions, right? It, it nothing talks to each other. Well, they no. don't try <laughs> to talk to each other, but, but I, I do think systems, um, may be a roadblock for a lot of career mm-hmm. centers because they they have these features and, and they're innovating every, especially during the pandemic simplicity we use simplicity and they did innovate the career fair module to make sure that we could do it virtually and it's intuitive, but there are there are ways that shift limitations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and and I can, as the engagement uh, lead for our office, I always think what's the student experience and, and how can we make this better for them? And it's like but it's not offered through that platform. Mm-hmm. So we had to do it ourselves. So, right. so I do think that that does limit a lot of career centers to being creative and, and doing those things. Um, and as far as the future career, career services, I think what has evolved in the past, maybe 10 years, I'll say is that before it was a resume critique office and, and it wasn't, um, you know, it was an office that, Students will come to us when they need us, but now it needs to flip the other way. We need to be where the students are because, mm-hmm. because especially post-pandemic, especially post the 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 Great Resignation, right? We yeah. I think uh, I, we talked about this. at uh, The Atlantic Post um, wrote this article a couple weeks ago, right? Right there, it's the industries are just changing, and we need to be ahead of that. And we need to make sure that the students know that from the day they start and make that first impression, so that they, they can trust us and know that they have the guidance from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's mm-hmm. an evolution that uh, I think a lot of career centers have to start thinking about right now. And and how are we engaging students? Not necessarily just who's coming to our events, but how are we engaging them so they, they know that um, career development doesn't start in your junior or senior or after you graduate. It starts right. the moment you walk on campus, right. Right? right? That networking, that development of skills that, you know... Um, every decision a student makes on campus relates to their career, right? The point mm-hmm. of going to a higher ed institution or doing professional development is to get a job. Mm-hmm. And we are not a job placement in office anymore. And also I tell p- parents that every time we do an info session, open house, I say, the first question I ask the audience to parents specifically and guardians and family members is how, I bet you're all wondering if your student comes here, especially cause it's a music and arts institution, how are they gonna get a job? And they all laugh yeah right
0: Right. because they're all like i just got the bill and i want to
1: make sure they can do right and and then we and then we talk about and and then we talk about we say well it starts the moment they start here and we Mm -hmm. help with that and then all of a sudden it's like oh i can relax i'm like yeah "Uh, they have the support i don't have to be calling them making sure that they're doing this and that and you know a lot of parents are not necessarily musicians some are uh, you know but but I do think it's like that investment to knowing that career development starts early on and in that engagement starts early on and you have to make a good impression. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, what, when we came back to a full campus on campus, I said, we had, we had our orientation scheduled, we had our sessions set up and I said, uh, to my team, I said, we can't just stand at a podium and talk about our services anymore. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. this is post pandemic. What are we, how are we going to make a first good impression in order for them to feel like they know, uh, what they're talking about one and that I, uh, can trust them and, and, and engage with them early on. So, um, you know, I, I, I had this thought of like, well, what did I do during the pandemic that, um, the Gen Zers are probably doing well. TikTok was a big influence in my uh, filling time, and also my creative. I didn't get to perform for the first right. time in my whole life. You know, right. I performed since I w- I could I could speak. Right? right, Christmas recitals, church, everything, everything was canceled for a year, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I had to find some creative outlets. So, I thought Gen Z students get information at the snap of their fingers or the tap of their finger. Mm -hmm. anytime they want and they don't want to it to be longer than 30 seconds to a minute (laughs) right Right. absolutely how how are we gonna deliver an hour presentation to them and have them be engaged well i said Mm -hmm. let's use the influence of tiktok and make it like a giant tiktok Mm
0: -hmm. you know that
1: and 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 we related it to them we had to really um, go to their level and think to like what would this student think about our mm-hmm. services? How can mm-hmm. we talk about it? How do we engage them in a way that they understand? So it's not just gibberish up there and talking about, you know, resume, cover letter, you know, it's like overwhelming at that point. Um right. they just got there. They're excited to be there. So I think what career centers need to think is, and what we're lacking in the in the industry of career services is how we're engaging and why we're engaging and is it intentionally organic so that you're actually building relationships with students rather than just making it transactional that they're walking in to get something critiqued and walk out and never come back again yeah, right we are building relationships from the time they start here and getting to know the students and there are 5000 students here and mm-hmm. there's only there's only 13 of us mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it, it's you know it's not like uh, I, I'm able to you know, meet with, I think it's, if you average that, we're at almost 800 students a a semester. And those 13
0: people aren't just, aren't only in that career area. There's people in that office who, as we spoke about before, are handling the student employment. There's people handling internships. So you're not, you, you have functional roles within that space. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, I said earlier about, I, would, I was joking about we could talk about Canada at some point, but I remember it was about 20 years ago now because I'm, you know, I'm that old and I went up to Montreal to visit, uh, the schools up there, the universities up there to see how they did student services, what we would call student affairs here. And I was at McGill. I was at Concordia and I was at university to Montreal and, um, Every single one of those institutions, and there are three very different institutions, okay, um, but they all had, had several things in common uh, that I said, wow, okay, number one, data. They were doing data at levels that we are still trying to catch up with. And they knew everything about every office, how many people visited, what was the reason for the visit, what was going on. I mean, they were crunched, they literally had data coming out their eyeballs, but that was because of the way, you know, frankly, uh, universities are, are funded up there. So that lines up with what, what is how they're getting their money. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's good because it informs the, the services that they're providing. When it came to career, offices, every single one of them had the career office baked into the curriculum from day one. And so students started going there from day one, doing, uh, you know, and they built relationships with the people in the offices. And it was a space that was part of their full on development at the institution. And then it was actually a space at a couple of them that as alumni, they students knew that they can continue to, to grow there, um, and I think that that always said I always said to me myself when I would look at some of the things that I was like, okay, that we don't do when we should do that, but this we should do, this we should do. I mean, they they're. I'm not even going to get started about how they <laughs> handle like, the, how they do uh, student activities up there is literally students do it. There's no student activities office. And if a student club or organization wants to function, the students have to make it happen, um, which I believe me, I was like, OK, this is great. I'm going to leave now. Um, but, but, you know, when you look at, at that and how we actually bake it into the program, that's one thing. But that also being nimble and something you brought up, Andy, that I think we have to apply to every single one of our offices right now within student services and student affairs. So we need to be nimble and meet the students where they're at. And I think it's interesting. I've been saying all along that Gen Z is different from the millennials in a couple of different ways. Uh, millennials were rule followers that, you know, whether they liked them or not, they were rule followers. Their parents, you know, took them, you know, they put them in a five point restraint in their their car seat. They had the baby on board sign. They were programmed from day one to follow these rules. Gen Z has that, but with the understanding that, yeah, I understand there's rules, but these rules don't work for me, whether it be because of uh, our our desire in our society to be to just to kind of say, okay, we're gonna put things into buckets and you're in this bucket. And it's like, no, I'm not in this bucket. I'm in these eight buckets. And they understand intersectionality. They understand identity. They understand all these things at a higher level than any generation that came before them. And they wanna be able to feel that not only are they getting the services they need like that, but they want to understand that the institution speaks to them, sees them and applies to them. And so, you know, I, I applaud you for, for being that way. And I think as, as higher education professionals, we need to be mindful of that. The other thing that you've brought up earlier is about mission and that, you know, that idea of who you are as an institution and the mission of the place. Are you a Catholic school? Are you a, a institution that is, is specifically around, uh, uh, technology. Are you an institution that is here to serve underserved populations? Whatever it is, you have to make sure that every one of your departments is not only echoing the mission and vision, uh, but also stays true to that um, in ways that are current and and meets the needs of your students. So I, I I'm very glad that you're here talking about that because we always have these well that's the way it's been conversations mm-hmm. in higher ed and. They, those, that's the way it's been conversations are going to kill us. We have to start to move. Um, And I appreciate what what you had to say about that. Um, You know, one of the last things I wanna talk to you about is is this last 19 months that we've had, we've all had some shared experiences. And, but, they also are informed by our individual experiences so you've got these shared experiences but you don't know what's happening when someone turns off that zoom meeting you don't know what's happening in the background do they have kids who are screaming is their dog about to explode is is their marriage on the rocks because of you know the fact that you can't get away from each other do they have a sick parent all that sort of thing but i think that as as teams we have functioned differently what are your thoughts on this shared team experience how we administer our day-to-day of work and and what is that bringing to your um kind of positionality in terms of how you
1: work with students um i think what we definitely learned quickly was zoom fatigue is real Mm -hmm. um staring at a screen and and um, collaborating and talking and advising and um, giving directive is really hard um, in a in a virtual setting, mm. especially with offices like us where we are so student facing, and also everyone in this office collaborates with each other. I work with every, from employer engagement to talent relations to student employment. We are always working together, uh, which is why we have a strong and a team that's able to facilitate all the work that we do, but in a virtual setting, it was, it was that the shared experience was that we really couldn't do what we, I mean, we did it. However, we were exhausted. And Mm -hmm. um, the shared experience is that being on Zoom and um, trying to do this, you, people just got Mm -hmm. over it. And then, and then they're exhausted and they don't want to do anything anymore. Um, We also found that when, you know, we did a lot of virtual events with students and and those were starting to get boring because it was the same mm-hmm. thing. You go into a Zoom, you're in a webinar, then it's like mm-hmm. recording and then you talk and then there's Q&A. Like it, it, when you're live and in person, there's just so much more emotion and so much more characteristics that that make it more interesting. And so we had to amp that up. I mean, that's what part of my job was to really add some multimedia aspect to it. Just like, you, you know, you had your little... Um, mm-hmm opener right your your Mm -hmm. music and we had to add those things because it had to break it up we had to break it up in that way so it made it more um interactive and made it more interesting to be honest you know I, I think but but um we I think that personally I was excited to come back when I had the opportunity to come back immediately I said I'll volunteer <laughs> even yeah. though I was, I mean, yeah, you know, um, and I think while we're back now, we're even we're moving faster than we ever have mm-hmm. um, now that we're mm-hmm. back. So, yeah, fatigue and, was a thing.
0: And and so my last question to you uh, is specifically around this: is that employ one of the things you do in your office is you work with employers, and um, so. I want to ask you about what their expectation is at this point of of uh, potential employees. Are you seeing that they have a different expectation that's p- pandemic informed? It goes beyond say the the application. It goes beyond say the the audition, which which your students have. Many of your students have to do auditions to get these parts and and opportunities. But do they? Is there a kind of a pandemic informed way of recruiting happening? Are you seeing any kind of shift in that regard?
1: Yeah, I think uh, virtual career fairs are just more popular for employers because they don't have to travel, they don't have to pay for it, they don't have to um, sit at a table. It's just, I I think we, we had the largest amount of employers at our recent Expo career fair this semester because it was virtual. Yeah, Um yeah. So And that
0: kind of echoes, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but that echoes what I hear from our admissions people is that they're like, we have the most diverse uh, number of students in terms of like where they're from, what they're like, what they're made up of applying to our institutions because we aren't just going to, we we have a budget and we're only going to these 25 uh, college fairs. Now we have one every night of the week and people can dial in. So Mm -hmm. you're seeing more of that. So I think it's interesting that coming in and going out, students may be benefiting from this in some way, but go ahead, I apologize.
1: No, 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 yeah. Helpful. And and, um, I, I do think too, employers are just deciding that they'd rather just do it because it's easier for them. Um, so I don't think it's going to go anywhere for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. So I think, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that, that I think we are going to hang on to in some way, and it will continue to evolve and it'll get maybe cleaner and fancier and a little more intent uh, interactive is that we are going to be living in, in a somewhat hybrid world. Um, and, My hope is that some of this hybrid opportunities actually heighten students. You know, one of the things that I think is really important is that when a student is actually given the opportunity to think, you know, this company in X city is really interested in you, they may never have thought about going to that city. But because of that, that because of that company, because of that workplace, because of the culture of that space, and they say, you know what, this really speaks to me. I like this place, and yeah, maybe it's in a city I never thought saw myself going to, but they believe in me, and that changes the game. That means you know the student actually sees a possibility, and Mm -hmm. you know I'm I'm excited for that because I hope that that actually changes up some of the. Some of what uh, some of our students are going, which is, well, everybody just stays here or everybody just goes here. It's like, well, you may want to think about something else because that place wants you. Um, And and that's a good feeling to have, especially for a 22 year old person who is your your traditional age college student looking at their future. Right. Um, And and that changes things. So that's good. Um, So, Andy, this has been a pleasure. I appreciate you being here. Um, how do people find you and connect with you? Uh, are you on LinkedIn or another social media environment that people can find you on?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn would, is the best place for me to connect with uh, colleagues in the industry as far as, um, you know, if you wanna collaborate, ha- have questions, happy to connect on LinkedIn for sure.
0: That's great. Well, Andy, thank you for being here and thank you everybody for listening to Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. I hope you, ch- you uh, join us next week as we are going to be talking about enrollment and about uh student uh loans and financial aid and the trends there i think it's going to be a rousing discussion we have some great panelists who are going to be here uh so thank you for being here thank you for being here at office hours with dr devoe it is the evolution of professional development in higher education right here only on fireside the future of storytelling